You're listening to the Getting Mindful with Megan podcast. Hey guys, welcome to Getting Mindful with Megan. Okay, so today we are taking a little spin off from our regular thought work and manifesting and dream doing podcast episodes, and we are going to talk about some yoga philosophy. I am obsessed with yoga philosophy, you guys. This is where it all started for me. This is where I first started gaining more awareness of my thoughts by getting this mind-body-spirit connection. I've always been like super attracted to yoga. Actually, okay, that's a lie. The first time I ever went to yoga, my mom taught it. She's a yoga teacher, and we used to make fun of her so much, and I laughed hysterically the whole time. I could not keep it together. And then now, of course, like I followed mother's footsteps, became a yoga teacher, just fell so in love with the yoga practice and all of the gems that yoga philosophy has within it. And so for the purpose of today's podcast, I want to teach you guys some of my favorite things about the yamas of yoga. So if you don't know what a yama is, don't worry, I got you. I'm going to tell you all about it. Once upon a time, (laughs) there was a guy, an old, 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 old guy, long, 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 long ago named Patanjali. And he was an Eastern philosopher, and it was through his writing is the first place that we ever hear about yoga in history. And so Patanjali, he had this thing called the eight-limbed path, or like the eight-fold path to enlightenment, or bliss, or samadhi, which samadhi translates from Sanskrit to English to mean like oneness with God. So he has this path. These are the things you do to become enlightened, is the idea. And the very first thing that he wants you to do to become enlightened is follow this code of ethics called the yamas. So there's five yamas and they are social ethics, how we view and deal with the world around us. And so today what I want to do for the podcast is I just want to teach you a little snippet about each one of the yamas and give you a little takeaway so that you can just start becoming more aware of these and bring them more into your life, I think you'll really like it. I've kind of 360'd. I started at yoga and then I evolved and got really into thought work and all of that. And I still love thought work so much, but I'm kind of circling like back to like this like mind, body, spirit connection that yoga brings that I just love so much now that we've got like, once we can get that mind down, then we can really like bring it all together. And This, the yamas are going to help you with the mind stuff and with the other stuff. So this is going to be fun. So the first yama of yoga is called ahimsa. Ahimsa translates from Sanskrit to English to mean non-violence or non-harming. This is kind of like the foundation of all yoga philosophy. Like the yoga lifestyle is based on non-harming. So I want you guys to think for a second, like what would the world be like if we actually lived into this? Like if we stopped trying to hurt others or ourself. I want you to think like, what if we like actually just loved people? Like what would the world be like? The unity, the oneness would come. Makes total sense that the very first yama in the very first eight limbed path towards oneness with God would be non-harming or essentially love and compassion towards ourselves and others, right? Like this is not This is not a surprise. It makes total sense. So what I love is that love is such a powerful feel-good emotion. And when we can tap into love and compassion towards others, 
and ourselves, we are able to create so much more love and compassion and so many more good, balanced, harmonious feelings within ourselves and with others. We're able to work well with others and create like so much more unity, right? So I want to focus on that. How can we find more love for others? One of my favorite things to do and to offer my clients when they're having a hard time finding love for others is to ask them to get curious. I found curiosity often breeds compassion. So if there's somebody you feel angry or you have harmful thoughts towards or you've done harmful things towards or you're feeling, you know, any violent emotion towards, I want you to think for a second, how can I get curious? Like, why would they be doing what they're doing? And when we get curious, it often breeds compassion because what we find is that people who are harming are doing it because they have some type of fear or ego coming up for them, okay? Ego and fear are pretty much simultaneous, like we could use them in the same set, same way, but they have fear. There's some type of fear being brought up in them when somebody harms others. So it's our duty to one, get compassionate and curious about that. We get the fear because we do it too, right? So if we want to create more nonviolence and non-harming and more love and compassion in this world and within ourselves, it's going to have to start by letting go of our fears and our ego, which I know is a lot easier said than done, right? <laughs> but this is the basis of it all. And when we can like let go of fear and lean into love and let go of ego, and like, you know, in the scriptures, it talks about like perfect love casteth out fear. Like when we can learn, lean into that perfect love and get rid of the fear, we're going to create harmoniousness within ourselves internally. And when we are internally in harmony, it will become naturally and organically so easy to become in harmony with the world around us and with those around us, right? So I want to bring up one thing. I think one major thing that came to my mind that gets in the way of harmonious living with others and within ourselves is this idea of like victim mentality, when we fall into victim mentality. And I know that a lot of times you don't think about this. Like you're like, no, like the people who harm are the ones, the abuser, right? But what I've found is that when we fall into powerlessness or like this victim mentality, it creates so much more harm, so much more suffering, and so much more violence. So ahimsa or nonviolence really invites us to question the feeling of like powerlessness rather than accept it, right? When you feel powerless, you've forgotten how much choice you really do have. And when we lose our power and we give it away to somebody else, it almost always creates violence or harm to ourselves for sure, and to others. So instead of sulking in the feeling of powerlessness, what I really want you guys to start asking yourself is what can I do right now to feel confident to be able to handle this situation? Jumpstart your mindset into seeing how much power you have. When you know your power, when you know that you have agency and you have the ability to choose how you're going to see others and how you're going to feel about yourself, you are going to be able to let go of so much ego and so much fear so quickly and with so much ease. And it's going to feel so much better. You're going to feel free. Really. I would say that there are 
a few things that will shift you out of powerlessness and out of violence pretty quick. These are them, okay? Three things, gratitude, trust, and thinking about others. If you take the focus off of yourself, you lean into trusting the universe, trusting God, trusting the moment, and practice gratitude, I think this is going to give you so much power over your situations, over your stories that your mind likes to tell you. So this week, like what I want you to do when it comes to a himsa is I just want you to get really clear on this one thing. How do I have more power than I'm giving myself credit for? How are you actually the one in control? Look for your agency. Become really aware of all the agency you have. You get to choose love. Even when somebody screws you over or does something shady or, you know, comes up and slaps you in the face, you can still choose love and it's always going to feel better. You can choose to not mirror them and do the same thing back to them, which is what we almost always do when we go into victim mentality is mirror our abusers. We freak out and we do the exact same thing as them. So this week, I want you to become really, really aware. I want you to pretend that you're complete that there's no need to expect anything from yourself or to criticize or to judge or change anything about you, that you don't need to compete with anybody. I just want you to pretend like you are completely complete, okay? And I want you to just note your experience. That's your little practice is you're just going to see what it feels like to be complete. Even if somebody says to you like, hey, you're a loser, (laughs) Does anyone say that? If anyone said that to you, that's not cool, but that's okay. So let's say someone says you're a loser, right? I want you to practice knowing, oh, I'm actually just complete. Like I'm just, I'm just exactly the way I'm supposed to be right now and practice those thoughts. Cause when we can get harmonious internally, then it's going to become much easier to get harmonious externally. And we can really live into a set. Cool. So the second yama of yoga is called satya. And satya translates from Sanskrit to English to mean truthfulness. So where I want to go with this, there's so many places we can go with truthfulness, right? Like being honest in all our words and deeds. But where I want to go with this today is to people pleasing. Yo, you guys, people pleasing is lying. And we have to get straight on this, okay? When somebody says like, hey, will you help me with this? And you feel in your heart, no, I can't right now. But you say yes, even though you don't want to. Yes, I'd love to, but you really don't want to and you're doing it like because you feel like you have to to make other people feel good and so that you guys don't have to be uncomfortable with anybody feeling uncomfortable. That is a problem and it is not true. It is not truthful. It is not like you don't have integrity when you're doing that. So I want to invite you to stop people-pleasing. And I know I say that like it's no big deal, but it's going to feel really crappy to not, when you stop doing this. When you stop people-pleasing, it's going to feel really uncomfortable because you're going to have to get comfortable with other people sometimes having weird emotions about the things you say. They have thoughts. You say, no, I don't want to help today. And then they have a thought like, I don't know, I'm, oh no, like, is she mad at me or something? And you're going to have to let people be uncomfortable for a second, which... It's totally fine because humans are allowed to be comfortable, you guys. We got to stop freaking people pleasing. The other reason we have to stop people pleasing is when we don't trust ourselves. When you, when you lie all the time and you, and you abandon yourself, 
for everybody else's needs, you won't be able to trust yourself. And then guess what? You're going to feel anxious because your brain's going to be going back and forth between trusting yourself and not trusting yourself and trusting yourself and not trusting yourself. And what should I do? I don't know. I don't know. And it's going to feel like fear. So we got to just get straight with people pleasing. It's not helpful in any way. And it's not truthful and it doesn't align with yoga philosophy. I want to tell you guys something. I used to exaggerate everything. Like it used to, okay. Like when I say used to, it wasn't even that, that long ago, like a couple years ago, you know, I would be talking and I would be telling stories from my perspective full of my thoughts and opinions added in there as if they were fact. And now that I've gained some emotional intelligence and understood how that's actually not very helpful, pretty harmful, and it's not truthful, I have found that I watch a lot of people do it and I'm like, whoa, this is not helpful. This is not good. We need to speak factually and then we need to be honest about what we're feeling and saying. So I want you guys to practice this this week. I want you to get super honest. I want you to speak in facts. Like when you tell a story, I don't want you to be like, she was such a brat, blah, 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 because that's, a, that's an opinion. That's, you can be like, you can say something like, this is what they did and this is how I took it. But to call somebody names and things like that, it's just not true. We have to get really, really good about this, you guys, okay? The other thing I want you to do is I want you to challenge your thinking. When you have a thought and it's causing an emotion you're not really wanting to keep, I want you to ask yourself these questions, okay? If you're like, my husband's being such a jerk or, oh, she's such a brat, okay? There's your thought. I want you to ask this question. Is that true? Your brain might be like, yeah, it's totally true. And then I want you to ask it again. Is it really true? And your brain will be like, yeah, we just told you it's super true. And then you're going to say this. Okay, but in what way is it not true? This is so powerful because right now your brain is looking for evidence of the things that you want to believe. A brain that is evolved and is evolving and is growing and learning is able to question all of their truths. I love this quote. This is from my book. It says, to be, bold, to be a bold person of truth is to constantly look for what we are not seeing and to expose ourselves to different views than the one we hold sacred. So you believe so strong, oh, that girl's such a brat. In what ways? What are you not seeing? Ask yourself these questions. This is so important and so powerful, you guys. To be a bold person of truth is to constantly look for what we are not seeing and exposed to ourselves different views than the ones that we hold sacred. We have to be willing to look at what we are thinking, what we are believing, and ask yourself the question, is it true? Is it really true? And in what way is it not true? Be honest. Have integrity. Don't people please. It's not worth it. It's never worth it. When you people please, you guys, it's going to not create the real connection that you're actually trying to get. If you want real connection, let people see the real you, even the parts that maybe don't want to help or don't want to do what they're saying. That's totally okay. Be real. Be real. It's more important than being nice. And what's really cool is that ahimsa comes before truthfulness because when our, our, we are feeling harmonious internally first, and we're not harming, then our truthfulness won't hurt. It won't be harmful. People might take harm from it, but you won't be like putting harm out. 
So first, nonviolence. Second, truthfulness. Number three, asteya. Asteya translates from Sanskrit to mean non-stealing, aka thou shalt not steal. Okay, so thou shalt not steal. You guys ready? Asteya. So the first time I ever learned about this, I remember like we, we were talking about it very like not deep wise, like just very like surface level and at, at my yoga teacher training and they were talking about like just stealing time. And I just, I never had thought of it like this, but they're like, when you're late to something, you're like stealing somebody's time. That's so rude. <laughs> and I just never had even thought about like being late as stealing somebody's time. You say you're going to be there and then you don't show up on time. Then th- that person's waiting for you. That steals their time. And so I just wanted to give you like a really easy, like surface level thing is just be really aware of people's time. If you are going to go to lunch with a friend and then you're going to sit on your phone the whole time, that's probably stealing some of their time. It's not the nicest thing to do, right? Just be aware of that. Um, The other thing I wanted to talk about with Estea is stealing other people's reputations. Gossiping, backbiting, and talking crap about people is a problem. It doesn't align and it's not going to bring you into oneness with God or enlightenment, right? So I want you to just be super duper aware. Like always, we're just going to be really, really aware. Stealing reputations, saying things that you don't know aren't true, are true about others. Saying things that are opinion, that are your perception about others. Remember, just like before, we're speaking in facts. (laughs) We're being real, right? We're bare bones of this situation, and then we can be real about our our opinions. But I just want you to know that like judgment feels like crap for you, and judgment is 360. So if you talk crap about people, you're going to feel like crap, and then also you're going to be freaking out when somebody else talks crap about you. You're going to be assuming that people are talking crap about you because that's what you're doing to others. So I I speak boldly on this because this literally used to be me. I used to do a lot of gossiping and I really, really try hard to steer clear of it now because I see the effect it has on those around me and on me. So don't steal people's reputations. Don't make up crap that's not true and put it out in the world. That's called stealing. It's not nice. And it is one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. It's also one of the five yamas. Cool. Asteya. Last thing about Asteya that I want to tell you guys is this. Don't steal from yourself. And I know this is weird, but I think we steal from ourselves more often than we know. I think we steal all of our future, like so much of our future. So like what happens is we have this totally like capability and ability to do amazing things, to become amazing. And like we steal it by thinking thoughts like, I can't do it. And we steal the future and we steal from ourselves. The other way we steal from ourselves is we don't grant ourselves the rest. We don't give ourselves the things that we need. Imagine a world that every time you take, you gave. Give. That is the essence of a state. And non-stealing is to give. Give freely and live free. So instead of stealing someone's reputation, give them reputation. Speak kindly about others. Give, 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 give back. Give more time. Give more of your future. Give yourself the beliefs that you need to believe so you can have the things that you want in your life. Don't steal from the future. Give, give, give. Cool. Okay, number four, we got to keep going. Number four is called brahmacharya. 
Brahmacharya has been is kind of a misconstrued often. Like this one's kind of confusing for people. So Brahmacharya often in like ancient yoga land over in the east, they believed that Brahmacharya was celibacy. What it really, what were what they really found out that it really translates from Sanskrit to mean is non-excess. So this can be looked at as like being celibate, I guess, like not wasting energy. They believe that sexual energy was like very, very, like it was wasteful to use it all of the time. So brahmacharya can be looked at like really narrowly like that into celibacy, but also it's like the actual definition is non-excess. So we can look at it in a million ways, right? Non-excess, not wasting our energy on things that don't matter. Not wasting and having excess time on our phones, right? Not eating excess amounts that are more than our body needs. I love this quote about brahmacharya. It says, we have to be able to discern between what the body needs in the moment and the story our mind is telling us. You guys, intuitively eating, right? When I first heard of intuitive eating, I like kind of laughed. I'm like, yeah, I know what's intuitive. I want, you know, French fries. I feel intuitively like I want French fries and and hamburger or whatever. But now I'm seeing it so much different. There is excess amounts of food and we need to be in tune and aware of what our body is telling us, what our spirit is telling us and let go of the stories that our mind is telling us that human brain gets in our way sometimes. So we've got to let go of, of the stories that your mind tells you about how much you need and we need to lean into our spirit and lean into our body and ask our body, like, how much food do I need? I ask myself, I ask my spirit, how much time do I actually need to be on my phone? How much time do I need to be spending on my business before it becomes excess, right? How much time do I need to be spending working out before it becomes excess? All things are good in moderation, but when it becomes excess, they become problems, right? So I love this. It says, seeing with the eyes of holiness shifts how we act as well as how we see. When gratitude and wonder sit in the earth, there is no need for excess. So again, why I love the emotion gratitude is because it's freaking a superpower emotion. If you want to have less excess, be grateful for what you have now. If you want to feel less violent towards others, be grateful for what you have now. If you want to be more truthful, be grateful for truth. Start looking for truth, right? I love gratitude. It is such a strong emotion. If you want to steal less if you want to practice asteya have gratitude and give back so good such a powerful emotion we got to keep gratitude with us all the time okay so brahmacharya non-excess that's really good so this week to live in non-excess i want you to eat and work and sleep to the point of like increased energy and right before the lethargy sets in okay so we're gonna like we're gonna work right to the point that is enough but then we're going to stop there. Practice pleasure without excess, okay? That's your work this week. Examine your beliefs and your values and your habits and your actions. Notice what, like, notice what normal is to you, okay? Like, what's a normal amount of food? And then just challenge it. 
Notice your beliefs. Like what's a normal amount of food? Is it actually normal to eat as much food as we're eating? I'm not saying yes or no. I'm just saying challenge it. What's a normal amount of phone time? What's a normal amount of time on the screens? What's a normal amount of time, you know, exercising? Challenge your beliefs on that. Look at them. See what they're creating for you. So good. Okay. The last one, the last yama is my favorite of all the yamas, you guys. This is the one I usually always teach my yoga classes. We had to have such good yoga classes on this topic. So it's aparigraha. Aparigraha translates from Sanskrit to English to mean non-possessiveness or non-hoarding. Non-attachment, non-greed, non-clinging, non-grasping, non-coveting. So I love this because it's super hard for me. <laughs> so I'm always like really intrigued by this one because it's just, I feel like it's, it's hard. So I've been talking to my sister. She's been wanting to like manifest some things lately. And she, it's super easy. And I, I've been doing this exact same thing too, but it's like grasping towards it. Like I need it. I have to have this thing. I want it so bad, right? And you get that like grasping energy. You guys know what I'm talking about. But I love this idea, okay? What if we could trust life like we trust the breath? Like think about your breath, okay? Like you don't think about it. You just know you're going to breathe another breath. What if we could take in all the nourishment of the moment, like just taking that big deep breath and then let it go fully trusting that more nourishment will come, right? So if there's something that you really, really want, I want you to try to think of it like the breath. When we trust that it will come and we trust God, we trust that if it's meant for us, if it's the right thing for us, that we will have it, I think that we will have it easier. Like it will come so much easier to us. Grasping creates the opposite for us. I love, and then a little bit of a lighter version of this this topic is like actual non-possessiveness. like not owning so much stuff all the time, right? And not having so much stuff. So I love the the quote, it's not that you own nothing, but that nothing owns you. So take a deeper look. I want you to this week think about trusting your how you trust your breath, trusting the process, trusting the plan, letting go of the thoughts that don't serve you, letting go of having to have a plan and having to make it happen and just let it happen. Open up the grip loosen the grip, release and relax. That is this yama. I love this quote. It's by Deepak Chopra. I'm pretty sure it's just off the top of my head, but it's like, this is the idea. It's like holding on to anything is like holding on to the breath. If you hold on, you're, you're going to die. Like you, anything you want to be yours, you have to let go of, let go of the breath and all is yours. So here's your work you're going to get really aware of what's going on around you, right? Like all of these make you be so aware this week. We're going to get so aware. We're going to practice gratitude. We're going to start looking at our beliefs on on what's normal. We're going to start challenging our thinking. We're going to get really, really aware. What is it normal to have like 27 pairs of pants or is that excess? Is that a little bit like hoarding, possessiveness? Can you let some of those go? Can you give as much as you take? I love this concept, you guys. I love the yamas of yoga. They have blessed me so much. I hope that this has been a little bit of a fun, different episode for you guys. I love talking about the yamas. Maybe again, 
we'll talk about the niyamas, which are the the personal guidelines for creating a more enlightened and oneness with God life. So if you guys like this, share it with your friends. I would love to talk to you and coach you. So if you're interested in coaching, DM me. I love you guys. Thanks for all the love you gave on my last podcast on manifesting. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. And let's work together. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.